0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the broadcast. And I know I've been promising you some major figures from the British progressive music scene. And today is just such an occasion. I have a man who is a bass player, a guitarist, a composer, and for many of us, his is the voice of Canterbury. So I'm very pleased to welcome to the broadcast Mr. Richard Sinclair. Hi, Richard, welcome.
1: Hello, hello, Greg. Very very nice to hear your voice.
0: I have so many questions for this gentleman and I'm just very honored to have him on the program. As you know, I'm a longtime fan of Canterbury progressive rock music and this guy was there since the beginning. So Richard, Talk to me. Yeah. Tell me about tell me about your beginnings in Canterbury. I know there's such an interesting family background too to your musical life.
1: Okay, do you want the full works then? <laughs> and thank you for your wonderful introduction. It's very nice. I'm highly honored to be able to talk to you. And, uh, so th- there you go. Um yes, on the sixth of the sixth, nineteen forty-eight, I was born in Nine Downs Road. My um great grandfather's brother was mayor of Canterbury in 1850 and really it's a family that's always uh, been very artistically um, you know, whatever a bunch of artists, you know Uh, my father was the uh, number one singer in Canterbury and all the rest of it and that's how I started my what you know as the Canterbury scene which is the uh, grammar school boys, you know um, uh, Brian and Hugh Hopper and at the age of 15, um, I was taken up to the Hugh Hopper home, uh, Tanglewood in Giles Lane, just outside Canterbury, where the whole thing started. But it didn't actually start at, at Wildflow. It wasn't called Wildflowers then, OK? It was just uh, uh, two boys starting a band that was in Canterbury. And, th- and the only reason why I was there was because Mr. and Mrs. Hopper, Brian and Hugh's parents, used to go to uh, dinner dance uh concerts where my father would uh play, play, I know um have his either his quin, quintet or you know and, and he would be singing to them and then after the one of these uh concerts they um uh said to my father oh our boys are starting a band and I and my dad said oh i have just bought Richard a guitar he plays guitar and, um la 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 d d d you Know my Hoffner very thin. The first he bought me also an AC piggyback amp, so I'd got was getting rid of all the neighbors and all that sort of stuff, you know. And um, he took me up there, and um, I, I you know, I, I sort of joined Hugh and um, Brian, who already you know, um, you know, have been in discussions with Robert and everybody to do that it actually became um uh the wildflowers basically in the end. You know, it's quite a no, it's quite a you know, anyway, to cut a a short story as long as possible. Um I had a couple of years learning to play um berry music and things like that, you know. And um eventually Robert joined and then Kevin joined and, and when Kevin joined um, it was called. He called it Wildflowers. I um, Oscar Wilde, you know, W I L E D, and so there it started for me. And I and in 1965, we did our first concert as the Wildflowers in a, just outside Canterbury in the Bear and Key. And who should come along to the concert was Pye Hastings uh in his uh, suit he was a um uh insurance salesperson then and he'd be be brought along by his sister, uh Jane, um who's uh, uh who was Kevin's uh, uh, girlfriend then. Okay. So that's how it all started for me, you know. I probably need another question now to get back on the track. <laughs> okay.
0: Well tell me a little bit about Kevin Ayers. I mean, he's such an interesting. Well, I first, okay, I can tell you
1: a lot about Kevin. Um, he was um, uh, Kevin is. Uh, I think his father was the organizer of all the radio, all the music thing on on BBC, you know, on the TV, like um, Top of the Pops and all the rest of it. Okay. Um, I know a lot more about Kevin and all that stuff. So I mean, um, Jane became his girlfriend, and how it, how he, how you, how this became? Because I mean, the the Hastings family were already in Canterbury because Jane had married one of the richest men in England uh, and had the most amazing zoo. At, his name was Aspinall. That's just outside Canterbury, uh, near Littlebourne. There was this zoo with. A complete set of the most animals in a zoo in in Europe. I think it's amazing tigers, elephants, the lot. Anyway, he was a very wealthy man. Uh, Jane, he, he uh, Jane was Jane Jane uh, when her name was Hastings before she married. She was the the model, the May, the wife of Mayfair, and of course, Aspinall's Club was in Mayfair. He had a gambling club, that's why he had a lot of money. And uh, at the zoo, of course. Uh, Kevin had spotted this beautiful girl called Jane <laughs> Aspinall, and he became the uh, gorilla keepers the gor- the gorilla the, the cleaner for the gorilla cages. Okay, I don't whether this is totally true. I'm not sure, but it's a story I've been told. And he stole um Aspinall's wife. Okay, and wow. she she had quite a lot of money and. Um uh first time I saw Kevin when him, was when he arrived, when he'd been invited to um uh, Tanglewood, the Hopper Home, okay? And and uh Robert had already met uh, Kevin and that's why he was introduced into the band as a as a singer, okay? And uh he arrived at forty five degrees with a bottle of machuse, rose in one hand and in the other hand was Jane, okay. So that's when I first met him, and uh, we played uh, American music, and uh, which is totally alien to me because I'm a choir boy, okay. I'm not, I don't sing in, anything to do with America, really. Um, uh, what were the tunes we played? Uh, uh, sitting over here on Archford do 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 or. What, whoa, you know, I'm almost grown, yeah,, with you singing the harmonies, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, chuckberry, and so, um, for me, it was all a bit out of tune, you know, <laughs> so like the rest of it, and you know, and we also played uh some numbers of Kevin's and um and Roberts, okay, and I think possibly some of Brian's, which hmm. eventually um, you know, got played in in the softness. So what, what became of the Wildflowers? It moved on and it, it it became um you know uh Kevin, Robert and Mike Ratnidge. Right. After many other stories like what's what the soft machine started with um uh David Allen and they they got Quite, but well, they were on 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 the go. You know, I mean, they in France, everybody loved this music, and it went down to Cannes for a festival. And then when they'd done all this stuff, I and mean, endless the stories from that, when they came back to try and get back into England, of course, uh, David Allen, being Australian, didn't have a work permit to get back into England, so he had to stay in France, where he formed a band called Gong. Mm-hmm. And uh it became a trio and they, they got the recording going, you know. I remember uh seeing them in the garden in in a place called Watmar Hall, which is just outside Canterbury and Story, which Jane put up the money um for for them to she rented this place so they could be together and you know, play music. At the time I I was friendly with Pi. You know, because of all this, you know, it's um you know, Kevin's girlfriend was Jane, um, Aspinall and um and so, you know, that's how how this Canterbury scene started. In Canterbury, all
0: friends. Actually in Canterbury, it would later become a term that people would use for a kind of music. And I'm very curious about for you what what is the transformation that occurs from being a cover band during what we couldn't? Well, that was the Wildflowers, but Wildflowers became like a, a, a soul band.
1: I left it because I really couldn't take the tuning in it. You know, I mean, that's I, my main thing was the Beatles, you know. Right. I had, had a little band in Canterbury, uh, the school. I mean, my, my, uh, Mike Ratledge, his father, was the headmaster at my school, which is called the Archbishop's School. I mean, I didn't have the brightness to go to Simon Langton. I mean, my father went to Simon Langton. Dave Sinclair's father, Frank Sinclair, went to Simon Langton. Um, All those boys that, you know, that you you know about, as far as like Robert, Brian Hopper, Hugh Hopper, um, Mike um, Ratledge, went to the Simon Langton, Dave Sinclair, Simon Langton. Um. Also, his brother, you know, John Sinclair. And so it's like it's the it's a media thing that came down. A guy called El Clark came down and wrote about the soft machine because they were the first ones out of the wildflowers that formed a band that became uh, had a record company signed them up. You know, that there they are. They, 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 I forget even the name of the record company, but it's they, they, they made that first record um and 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 all those you know all the boys that were in the wildflowers like my uh, pie was the first i gave my job to pie okay i couldn't manage it i couldn't i didn't really want to sing that way bit of being okay <laughs> and so i escaped i went to a, you know college art college and i remember being at art college and as a as as not a fine artist or a graphic artist but an industrial designer, you know one of the sharp pencil brigade i remember doing um uh art classes where where I, um Robert was a model, you know, so I used to have to draw him in his underpants okay <laughs> <laughs> and all that i mean i, I even in the, when I was in the waterflows, we did a concert at the um at the art college then you know like many other people. That came to Canterbury, like Ian Jury, you know, and, and mm. what his band was. Called. I forget what his band was called there, but you know, I mean, Canterbury was full of music all the time. It always was, even before the so-called Canterbury scene started. You know, it's always been. I mean, my great grandfather's brother was mayor of Canterbury. Okay, and so the the sons. Um, uh, my grandfather was a photographer then, and also an entertainer. So there's pictures of him that can now join the the Canterbury scene because they've actually music in Canterbury, you know. <laughs> and a photographer, a very specialized photographer that took um portrait photographer for, you know, for all the clergy and the rich people. That's what it was all about. You know.
0: So church music uh, was important to you? The 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 first singing experiences were in choir?
1: Um I well, my father, okay. Um he was an entertainer, and he sang uh, in an English accent, uh, like uh, Frank Sinatra. Uh, okay, but the main thing was um, Nat King Cole. Right, mm. amazing, beautiful music. I mean, and so really, you know, my, my thing was for him. I mean, he used to tape. My father used to tape all the um, radio, uh, you know, top of the pop star, the, the popular radio uh, of, of the media then. So my whole upbringing was to do with uh, English music, you know, I mean the first time I got to hear any jazz was on a, a very small reel-to-reel, you know tape, one of those 1.75 or whatever it is, uh, with um, Hugh gave me um, recordings of um, tunes that he wanted me to learn, you know, like what, whoa, you're almost going all that stuff, you know and um, and a few other bits and pieces and on the back of that was the first time i listened to uh the most amazing music that i'd ever heard in my life okay 1963 this is 1963 would have been in 1964 when i heard this tape okay and it was out to lunch by eric dolphy wow it just blew my whole deal round. i just didn't realize that people were able to play music together like that, and I remember listening to it for two years nearly every night, counting rhythms and thinking, "My god, this it's unbelievable, this amazing music, you know, and so I wasn't like a grammar school boy like Robert and uh, Hugh and Brian and the people that started the wildflowers, you know I mean, they all used to swap American music and record it, you know, and, had all that jazz star, you know, which I I never really listened to till much later when I got into a, a band
0: called Caravan with Pi Hastings. Okay. Let, tell me about uh, Caravan and how that got started. To tell you about what Caravan? Yes.
1: Well, it came from Wildflowers. Okay. Um, I left it. I left Wildflowers and Pi joined. Um, he really wanted to be it was got a much higher voice. I mean, he loved to sing soul music and all that. Robert was still drumming then and Hugh and Brian, you know, bass and guitar and saxophone from Brian. And But it became like a soul band. Uh, in the end, I mean, Kevin had left it by then, you know. Yeah. Um, I think he, I, I don't know. What, I, I mean, I wasn't in Wildflowers then, but that they had other singers, I mean, before other singers, before Kevin were were about, I remember, you know, a guy called Graham Flight and also other people in the band that few knew from school and all that stuff became Wildflowers when Kevin joined. He titled it Wildflowers, so we had a whole deal of that, you know. There are recordings of that which came out on voice print um, with people saying, um. So caravan, this is the question. Is caravan came from that because because Richard uh, became drama in it, okay? Richard Coughlin and and Pie Hastings was already in there. My cousin joined it later, and then it it and by then you know the, the, the other members had left, and so it was the soul band which Brian was in still okay. And Soft Machine formed. Uh Wildflowers stopped and uh, Pi decided that he was going to form a band with my cousin, Dave Sinclair and Richard Coughlin. And after, this is after I'd been at um, college for four years doing industrial design art school. And I'd always remained friends, you know, with 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 my cousin Dave and, and Pi. And he said, would I join them and form a band? Okay, and I said, "Oh yes, I'm really trying to escape this art school and not have to go to London for another three years to study silversmithing because I'd become a silversmith by then, you know." And um, and so I said, "Yes," and we we got together and uh, caravan fight it didn't have a name then, okay, but it was Pye Hastings that that made the band form, okay. Um. First of all, my cousin was a bass player, not a keyboard player. He wanted to play bass in it, and I was a guitarist. I was like the rhythm guitarist, or whatever it is, singing it. And we, but immediately it changed around where uh, my cousin was going to play keyboards. So he got himself a Vox double manual uh, organ, you know, and <laughs> we started like that. We uh, David and I worked on the Seven Oaks bypass. Okay, already um, I got to know Pie. You know, while he was in Wildflowers, he used to come and stay at my house because he needed to go earn money, and he went hot picking, and so we went hot picking together. But after that, uh, we carried on. Pie organised this work on the Seven Oaks bypass, where I was putting shuttering in for the parabolic arches. I got the best job, you know, Mm. and we earned a certain amount of money so we could, uh, rent a place for six months in a little town called Whitstable, And I soundproofed it all out with several carpets and mattresses in the window and God knows what else. And we rehearsed there and played music every day. Uh, for six months, we did eight concerts and got noticed by one of, um, jane's friends from international times magazine a guy called miles and uh because of that we pie went hunting for a, a record company because we were following suit to you know a soft machine that had already done a good job you know you
2: yeah. and got a record
1: out a very amazing a record that's still my favorite record actually the soft machine and um we we follow suit and we we got this uh pie managed to go around several record companies and eventually got to um uh verve label okay and so our first record came out on um m g m verve label and we signed contracts which really meant we signed whole lives away you know which is what the sort of thing you did then you know so all the music that came after that we waved goodbye to all our royalties and you know and uh caravan started right you know right from that wang you know it's amazing after eight concerts we were making an album you know so uh
0: was the big breakthrough for Caravan Golf Girl or is it something else? That came later. I, it's just our first... Really, it was Pies writing. I was never going to write
1: music and stuff like that. You know, I mean, you, you're talking about a record that became the iconic one, you know, Land of Graham Pink, you know. I mean, I call myself now Graham Punk, okay? <laughs> but, you know. Um, and, um, I mean, the first record was quite well received we didn't make any money we, you know no one knew about the canterbury scene then and all that that came much later on you know when it became very part linked, everything together and so caravan were um yeah playing quite interesting music mainly because of pie you know one i remember one of the bits of music was called three and two um is it quite it was it was uh, you know he, he introduced me to music like um um, Don Ellis you know he listened to all this stuff Had a tape recorder I remember him taping you know I got to know about jazz music uh, really because of Pi
0: jazz, and,
1: huh? and I, I would have never written anything it was Pi and on that first album okay I did two two songs on the first caravan album one called Grandma's Law and the other were called uh, Mr Policeman you know I can see you creeping, Mr. Policeman, looking through the keyhole in my door, hmm. taking notes of all that floats, all that stuff, you know. Um, and Grandma's lawn, you know. And Pi wrote all these, beautiful, which we all decided, that the energy we put in, we just, it was a, a an equal thing. We're all leaders of the band. We all uh, credited each other as far as whoever wrote the music. It was split four ways, you know. Which is a very nice thing to do, in fact. But, um, and then of course, you asked about Golf Girl. Was that, I mean, over time, it became the most popular thing. It was very much media orientated. I mean, all my songs, Golf Girl and Winter Wine and um, Land of Grand Pink, the title of the actual album. I mean, you know, grandchildren of the fans then now play it better than I did and sing it to me, right? When I left, I mean, my cousin left Caravan first. I mean, he wrote that great long piece of me, uh, the opus, you know, that Nine Foot Underground, you know. Right. And, um, which was, you know, I was quite, it was pretty, you know, for me, it was quite, like, really good fun. I mean, I only, only, you know, I I only play what I can sing. I'm not really a bass playing. You know, I I just and then of course our harmonic thing together, Dave Sinclair and my my, our sort of harmony type idea and you know we were brought up you know in the same deal you know I call it Pythagoras. Everybody says, well, where does the Pythagoras? Where does what's the, what started the Canterbury scene? You know, Robert's story is the best. You know, it's the Italians fault, You know, <laughs> they arrived in at the end of Kent. You know. And the first theatre in England was built in what is now called Canterbury. You know, that's quite a good one, really. And he considers all the uh, Canterbury scene, no, they're only a bunch of tourists, okay? Oh. <laughs> well, in fact, the Canterbury scene is everybody leaping in and out of bed with each other's girlfriends and friends and that sort of stuff. You know, it's like that's where the Canterbury scene started. <laughs> and it's so I'm in caravan you're talking about caravan I mean yeah to ask me more ask me more questions because I always go off a tangent you know
0: well I'm curious as to how if you can define what the Canterbury scene was about it seems like to someone like me that you are embracing jazz and rock and soul and and all of these different elements to everything yes everything that's in the media for
1: sure uh you know i mean at different at different states of being popular or whatever it is i mean for me i was only there to be a popular entertainer i mean for sure we were following in in soft machines footsteps i mean they were Incredibly psychedelic and interesting. I mean, especially Robert. I mean, un- unbelievable how he played. You know, I mean, totally unique form of entertainment from him. You know, it's much too amazingly Canterbury-esque, you know. I mean, I, 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 for me, it's just Pythagoras, you know. I mean, I can read what I think of what all the scenes are on planet Earth. And they all come from this. Pythagoras conceived of us all in a system of musical spheres where everything in the universe has been designed to fit harmoniously. <laughs> he believed that everything in the world is vibrating according to a preordained numerical rhythm which we can learn to understand and use to great poor personal fulfillment. okay? So I think I think you can say that about every, uh, musical situation, you know, thing it, It's still heard, even the modern stuff, you know, I mean, even the weird, wonderful ways of, you know, rocking opposition or whatever you like. I mean, I was listening to uh, your interview with Fred, right? Amazing, you know. Well, Canterbury scene, well, it's a little bit bland, you know, <laughs> most, most, most acceptable pop, Rock music is, you know, compared to what Fred is doing. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, I can't wait to play with him and be less bland than he is. You know, what I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, amazing. Well, and all that, you, know.
0: you know, Henry Cow won't accept the moniker of being Canterbury Band, and that's well, all. Why should talking. they? They're from Cambridge, and I mean, th- this is done by the media system. Okay,
1: yeah. um, they linked it all together simply because all those... I mean, I'm, I'm probably the worst culprit. I, I I link everybody to it, you know. Why not, you know? I've got quite a strong personal way of... It's called entertainment, you know. And, and I really like to have... I like to sing to people. I don't want to have to keep thinking I've got to look at my instrument and remember what I've learnt, you know. I just think, yeah, we've done all that. Guys, let's entertain people, you know. They sing what we play. I mean, how many musicians do you know that the greatest on planet Earth? You know that that, that actually sing what they play, or at any chance you know. When it was, you know, it's like for me, Canterbury musicians are, are Jimmy Hastings, okay, flute, amazing, second to none, right? Uh, Tony Coe, second to none. Boom, there they are, and and they're, and they're, and these guys. Okay, don't sing all the time, but you listen to Tony Coe when he's working with Law Coxon <laughs> singing. You know, it's like <laughs> you know. And my my dad used to play with Tony's father. You know, I mean, for me that is the Canterbury thing, and so yeah, for sure. You know, soft, soft legacy now. Okay, right. Well, I mean, they get work. Okay, because of what was before the Canterbury scene. Okay, but you know. There you go. I mean, what what do you want to call it? You know, have isn't a chat it? to Carl about it. Carl Jenkins. You know, I mean, he's got some really good answers. He's a very popular, media orientated writer, isn't he? I mean, come on, he's like one of the great composers for popular music. You know, it's like.
0: But you talk about uh, this this scene, and I'm curious if you felt. There was a differentiation between that scene and, say, the London scene.
1: Um, a uh, London, you know, we. How do I? How do I relate it to it? I mean, I got used to. I mean, I introduced the London scene to Caravan by asking Phil Miller to come down and play and Lowell Coxell to play, and because I'd already got Steve Miller into the thing. I mean, you know that they, they were. You know, this is London Pip. You know, it's the London pit, pit, you know, it's, they're, they're London-based musicians, and and now you have uh, the Soft Legacy. You know, all those friends. I mean, Roy and the great bass, you know, Roy Babington, and all the people that went through Soft Machine and all that sort of stuff. For sure, they get related to Canterbury because that's where this their, their sort of Canterbury esque jazz London thing happened very strongly in Canterbury, and it's got the most. A massive audience for it now by linking everybody together in 1990. Um, I mean, you know, at my girlfriend that said it all right, I mean, she helped everybody in her home caravan reform in her home. Um, Hatfield, I managed to re- reform that later. You know, Dave Stewart one of it and one bit. I mean, the whole th- my whole history through these bands. um, Wildflowers, uh, Soft Machine, Caravan, okay? And then I've got Hatfield in the North. And then I moved to Camel, okay? Um, The way I am is very very Canterbury. And so, for sure, I've got quite a lot of uh, audience because of my singing, my bass, the way I am. You know, I don't consider myself a musician. I'm just an entertainer. And that's why I I play music, because I like to entertain people. And when you went, and, and Soft Machine and um, Robert Wyatt, David Allen, um, you name them all that were in uh, considered to be in the they're very entertaining. And yeah. people like to group things, you know, the media like to group it. So it's the media that group it all together. And so, yes, whether they want to be in Canterbury scene or not, it's a really good idea, isn't it? Because they're going to make money when they, when they can't get, concerts and things like that to have a talk to Leo about it. Leo Pericks, you know, Moon in Moon in June records. I mean, come on. Well, you know, I mean here, here so every, every, you know here's my I, point I mean, though.
0: My point is, just, that yeah. is that there's an affectionate term for the use of canterbury. <laughs> it's it's a, a kind of music that we think of as being outside of what would be the typical London bands. And you guys had your own thing. And yes, you... I know. I mean, but there you are. You're, you're saying
1: it. What 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 is the Canterbury scene for you? That's That's it. You know. I mean, it's, it is, but very, very separate from all that stuff. And when you get to play with the musicians that started the Canterbury scene, um, you know, they They don't consider themselves starting a scene. They all say, you know, talk to Pie. Yeah, the media did that. They grouped us all together. But yes, there is a certain harmonic deal of Canterbury. It's in the bird song, it's in the bell of big, you know, Harry, you know, um, it's slightly flat of what it's all to do with, I, I can only relate it to Pythagoras, okay? Everything you play relates to a, a, a comes out speakers as, you you relate to it as this harmonic structure, which is like there are only 12 notes that are different. They go like this. Ba-di, for me, you're up. Ba-di, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Which not many people learn to play their instrument like that, do they, you know? La, the octave, ba-di, when you swing a tune round, it does this tonal thing. Now, whether you're in tune to 440 or whatever it is, it doesn't matter, right? That's how people hear stuff. That's how you learn to sing. You know, people would rather listen to... If you're not a person that plays an instrument and all that sort of stuff, you still hear that inside yourself as a vocal thing, you know? Even when you're playing your instrument, you know, it doesn't matter what you sing, it's all in tune, okay? Because you can sing from... Bam, bim. You can go, uh... yeah, but it all relates to this harmonic series, okay? But Pythagoras, and then because it's played on radio all the time, like the name, whether you're soul music or whatever it is, you relate to it for the terminology of it. And so is Canterbury different? Yeah, for sure it is, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's very different for reggae music. But it all holds the same deal, you know. You, 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 I can only relate through it, but by knowing that I learnt to sing, you know, um, th- this deal that that actually um, Pythagoras conceived of us all in to be in harmony with each other, right? You know, <laughs> I don't know how to describe. No one is able to describe, other than that you know that it sounds different from other bits and pieces you know usually because it uses all those notes in some way whether whether you're in opposition against it and you're just making a din or whatever it is on what you know well it's not a din it's music or whatever you want to call it you know
0: so how does, know. how does uh hatfield and the north come together
1: uh well it came together with um me really bringing uh steve down from london and joining. Uh, Caravan, and we had lowell and and so really Hatfield started off with Steve and i i, I wanted to leave Caravan. I just wanted and I really wanted to play with Pip, okay Pip Par that uh Pip and Pip wanted to make a new band uh, in London, and so Steve and I went up to join Phil, who also knew quite well we'd all been playing together already, and we played a bit with Lowell and Hatfield started by it being Steve Miller's delivery okay oh. which also gets linked to Canterbury through through Carol Grimes delivery okay with all those amazing London musicians that played blues jazz and blues mainly because of Steve Miller okay anyway we went up for them and the first concerts we did were were uh Steve Miller's delivery and we did a but there are recordings of that, and also brought out, Steve brought out one of the recordings of Pip, Phil, and himself and me. And it's on, um, I think it's called Song for You or something like that. It's on one of his albums with uh, Low Coxell. And that was the start of Hatfield in the North, okay? Uh, Phil and Steve, the two brothers, Phil was a bit stronger. That he wanted things perfected and written and sorted and didn't want to be so free about the music. He wanted constructions. And so they, it sort of, you know, they, they weren't happening. And so um, the first keyboard player that joined Phil and uh, Pip and myself was, I got my cousin, Dave Sinclair. And uh, my battery's gone low now, hang on, I might, should be okay. And so, um, yeah, so the first Hatfield album, um, the first uh, recordings, which actually you can you can find on uh, YouTube. Uh, we did a show with Robert in France, which is a very interesting show. And Hatfield started in that way, very linked to all our Canterbury-based things, you know. Um, and it's about for me, it was just sheer joy. I mean, you know, I mean, Phil has always been a main. You know, I spent twenty-four hours a day as he was writing the music and things and I was writing my, you know, I mean, not listening to each other or listening to each other and just playing music. I mean, his music's just amazing, what he wrote, you know. I think his arrangement and way of being, having as entertaining and the Hatfield, were just too, like all rock bands and all that sort of stuff, just too loud on stage, that's all, you know. If, if you've got volume, there's not a lot of place. You can be that's um, inventive because the space of the air that you're going into is already full up with this din, right? You know, so <laughs> it's, you know. So I always had trouble, you know. But I always really, I mean, I just didn't listen to anybody else in any band that I played in. People say, "What you? You don't know Genesis?" You don't? No, of course I don't. I only listen twenty-four hours a day to the people I was working with because I was trying to perfect my way of. Without, you know, I don't read music and to learn stuff that, you know, especially when Dave decided he didn't want to be in it, you know, because he didn't really get on with the idea of the music being like that. He's more sort of, you know, popular entertainment really than Hatfield in the North, you know. You're talking and, about um,
0: Dave, Dave Stewart?
1: And Dave Stewart joined. And uh, because Dave wasn't going to be in it, we had to find another keyboard player. And, of course, Pip was the one that knew all the London musicians and things like that. He knew about Dave Stewart. He invited him to come round to where we we're all living. And I used to live with Pip in a flat in in um, East Sheen, down on the South Circular. And um, he arrived and wrote it all out in two days and played it. And he was in the band, you know, wrote it all out. It's just all the things that we've been having fun playing freely and all this of it, he composed it into a mechanical... You know, there it was in mechanics. Fixed, over and done with, play it.
0: And we made our first lot, album.
1: Not. Excuse me?
0: Didn't that group improvise a lot, though? We improvised on set structures. I mean,
1: I'm always improvising. I mean, I'm not, you know... I'm always me, I'm afraid. And... um which worked out pretty well, but I just got fed up with it in the end, not being able to get a get my deal. I wasn't strong enough to say, "Hey, you know," I mean, I mean, the tunes, as you know, are much more simplistic than the um, than the other three. You know, I mean, Pip was the, the most amazing lyricist, you know, and, and and drummer and composer of songs and things and you know stuff. Um, when it, when it became more more improvised jazz stuff. I mean, we, we, uh, Hatfield, when they went to play concerts, it was never the same uh, way of music. It wasn't like being, when I moved to Camel, everything set out, practiced, learnt, dilly-dilly, bubbly bit. there's not a lot of chance to be inventive in it, okay? And uh, with Hatfield in the North, we invented a different way to play that music uh, every every night, it was different. Every night, you know, we'd be going down the motorway at 90 mile an hour down through France in Pip's uh, mother's sports car, you know, a Capri 3.4 with Phil and I in parallel with each other and and Dave Stewart in the front with Pip composing the set for that night, you know, (laughs) thinking bits and, yeah, that links to that and that we're going to do this bit and, you know, and Bollard on. For me, it was like, Wow. You know, people wonder why I didn't listen to anybody else. You know, it's like I didn't. Have, I just remembered it all and just got on with it. You know, and I'd live my way through everything. You know, that's it. You know?
0: But your so, voice, yeah, there was your voice is such a big part of that band as it is in every band that you're in.
1: Uh well, that I You know, I I'm a choir boy, and, <laughs> and, I, and I like to sing and I like to be entertaining. And so really I'm trying to capture people's hearts because I was always in the audience before finding out what they liked, you know. I was never in the band room saying, oh, yeah, we've got to do this, we've done all that, okay, this is the set, wallop. You know, and I'd be in the audience saying, how are you Or you know, diddly and talking to everybody. And then I'd be back and I'd have more confidence then to be able to look out and see if anybody's going to... I used to sing to people that were singing along to the music, you know, find that rhythm and do it, you know, I was there to entertain. That was it, you know. And so sometimes, you know, I didn't get it quite right for the guys. But there you go. That's what happens. And in the end, I had to leave the band. I, I thought I really don't want to keep playing this volio, you know. God, and I ended up having a few bits and pieces. I flew out at a Virgin's expense. I mean, used to get. It's just the money factor when you play that sort of music that isn't entertaining to the masses, okay? You're stuck with a few musicians, usually males, that are interested in what you play, you know? And so, really, I, I I had this chance to be able to come up, just keep singing like me, in tune, in time, finding the right ways, you know, to entertain. It's like, you know, it's, and Pip's lyrics were perfect, weren't they, you know? Now it's time to finish your wine. i try to sing a sober song just before the din. <laughs> and even though you may be having quite a lot bashing bass and something or other is really rather dark compared to harmonics, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I was blessed to be able to play with these people, okay? Totally blessed, you know. Like I'm blessed now talking to you and saying, look, afraid you know excuse me but this is what i am you know it's like i i can only uh i can only play what i sing you know and i do it at the same time you know? and i find the tunings and things like that i try to push it into time i try to push it into tune you know and and that's amazing working with phil i was unbelievable the areas that he you know totally unique guitar sounds as you know and I don't know whether you know Matching Mole. uh, Not Matching Mole. Yeah, Matching Mole's another one with Robert Sings. It's just amazing music. You know, it's just... And it gets linked to Canterbury. Bang, why not? You know, hooray. I'm pleased it does, you know, because really I find a lot of jazz music very, very boring unless you can really play it it. If I'm in it, I enjoy it. But if I'm not, I'm listening to this stuff thinking, well... Here we go again. It's another bunch of jazzers, you know, that are just entertaining themselves, basically, by being very good at what they do, you know. So is Camel been a better fit for you? Uh, no, it's, all, it's really hard. I, I, play, I play, if anybody asks me to play, I'm there. I'm ready to play because they want me for what I am and what I play, okay? So I was asked by, really, Andy Ward um, to join Camel. You know, and I was, and they wanted me to sing and play bass. So I went down there with a very beautiful girlfriend, made all their tongues hang out, and and I can play their music more or less straight away because it's very easy music to play. But when I actually did get, because I'd never listened to Camel, right? Why would I want to do that? You know, it's like, and so for me, it was really good fun being asked to sing all these amazing tunes that Andy Latimer and really Pete Barden's was the writer for me. He was like a very good songwriter. And not so was Andy people,
0: Latimer. And you know. Not enough people talk about Pete Bardens. He's really important.
1: Uh, he's, he's a, uh, uh, he was the only pop, the only real pop star that I knew. His friends were Eric Burden and um, oh, what's the other one? And, and Fleetwood Mac and um, the other very popular Bluesy type singer, radio thing. I forget what his name is anyway, but it's like they all came to his wedding, and they, I mean, Pete was a, I mean, uh, Pete was a um, a star, you know. We it, 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 it's funny um, when we're in airports and things like that with um, Campbell, because they were the most professional entertainers that I work with. Okay, the whole thing was geared, set up for weeks on end to be to have three. Encores at the end of it. Okay. And so you work very hard for that. For me, it was just, oh, really the same announcement, the same way of playing. And after Hatfield in the North, which was much more inventive and interesting for me. Okay. But I don't know I made the best job I could. I'm obviously not the right person for the band. I thought the bass player, Doug Ferguson, made a much better job than I did because he was very subservient. To Andy Latimer's needs, okay, Pete was a bit more open than Latimer, right and um, it was me that got him to sing um again because they they didn't like their voices, and so they needed a singer and a bass the band, and also I got the job because Andy Latimer had already done the bass part on some of the things that Doug Ferguson couldn't manage this thing that goes to I mean I mean, I didn't even play that on the I mean you already played it, you know, so you know
2: I mean,
1: I' have no problem to do all that sort of shit, you know it's like I you know well i mean i I got this all from the band that I played with before Hatfield and the north if you suddenly get a part that is written out like especially by Dave Stewart i mean i I sent I spent you know. Hours and hours just having on headphones, I get them to play it, and so I can learn it and do it that way, and then I can understand the harmonic of it, and then I play freely on a lot of that stuff, but still get back to... Imagine uh, having to play... Without reading it, right?
2: And so, it's,
1: you know, so I mean, for me, that's what it was, you know, a bit sort of set, you know. Whereas Pip, Phil, and I used to spend hours and hours just having fun when I mean, especially when we started off with steve you know and i and used to love it i mean it's not that i'm saying that you know i just found it hard when someone just controlled everything you know and so i went bye-bye you know bye-bye and wanted to do something else and i went to start at virgin expense i went off to uh majorca and went to see David Allen because he'd invited me. I went out there with a reel-to-reel tape recorder, a bass guitar and a guitar, you know, mission impossible. And um, I wrote a little bit of paper saying to Richard Branston and Simon Draper, "Uh, I'm going to make you an album, and the title is Untitled As Yet. (laughs) (laughs) I went out there. And um, of course, David Allen's house was full up with people, so he sent me around to Michael Music, round the, round the, around the, um, round the corner, you know, right around the coast, and I ended up going to um, Robert Graves' 80th birthday party. Okay, because like they were, it was very family friendly, wasn't it, to Robert and all that sort of stuff? That was amazing meeting Robert Graves. Goodness me! i me about to that Sorry,
0: please tell me about Robert Graves.
1: He was amazing. He was completely away with the fairies when I met him. When I went, I was introduced to him by one of his sons, and we went up to the, you know, the Robert Graves glacial area, you know, overlooking the sea, just outside there. and um, and he said, "This is Robert. This is my father." And he he looked out to the sea. He said, "Can you see them? Can you see them?" I was going, oh hello, what's happening here? You know, he was seeing visions, you know, and things like that. So when I went to his party, it was a bit like going to a Bil- Bilbo Baggins party, you know. It's like it's amazing. There's these hot air balloons going off into the sea and all that sort of stuff. And then there was Spanish people playing music, and yeah, very nice, very interesting person to meet, and these many girlfriends and all that stuff, you know. <laughs>
0: shades of william blake
1: i don't know i'm completely unread I, you have to remember that i'm a beast streamer in a secondary modern school and all my grammar and information and comes from my father okay which is why i have this harmony ability to be able to put things in tune and harmony and things like that you know so i know nothing of other philosophers and things like that i I'd rather write my own, and thank God I don't. You know, I mean, everything everything's been proved wrong that I learned at my school now by simply the scientific way of study of what we all are and what it is is actually proving what we what well, I learned. And a bit like talking about the pyramids or whatever, you know. All, all these stories are only human, aren't they? In the Bible, it's only a story from the Bible, okay from people that wrote it 300 years, you know, later. And so, you know, I've no idea what God is. I know why I'm here. It's because of my mom and dad, okay? We're still getting this closed. I think this is gonna go off soon. Hang on a minute. Um, I'm getting low, low, it's gone red. You know. Sorry, I've gone away with the fairies here at the moment.
0: No, you're here with me. <laughs> You know, uh, Richard, we recently lost Trevor Tompkins. And yeah. I'm so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so interested in that project that you did with him, with, with Alan Gow. Before
1: words are said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the most wonderful experience, yeah. Beautiful, all with Alan, who was actually uh, dying of cancer then. And so he was having a lumbar puncture on, on the Thursday. Came back, it was made in three weeks, that album. And... Trevor, what a wonderful person, eh? what a gorgeous, all three of them, amazing, I was blessed to be able to do that, you know, and I, and, I, and some of it I couldn't do because it was all reading music and I didn't have enough time to study it and, you know, da, 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 and so some of the bass parts were played by, especially Alan's music, you know, most of it I knew from Phil, you know, his, his writing was a bit, you know, more, I'd already learned quite a lot of that stuff, you know.
0: But Gowan was such a special musician, wasn't he? They
1: all were. Alan was just such a delight to be with. A more beautiful person, calmly, I mean, you know, the best, the, the best of them all. The sweetest man you could meet on planet Earth, yeah.
0: That's such a great record. I love that record. I can, try, I can listen back to it now. I wish I'd done a bit more music
1: of mine on it. You know, I'm looking for that now. You know, so oh goodness. And then, I mean, you know, those three are off the planet now. You know, I mean, you know, and I'm am always with them. Don't worry, I can I can talk to them every day. No problem. You know, I always get good answers too. Just by, you know, even to think back now. You know, thank you for that. But it's like, yeah. I mean that they, this is the best music that I played is with those these guys, you know. Uh, also with Pip and you know Dave Stewart and you name know, them all. It's like you know you're only as good as the people that you play with. That's that's what makes you sound good, right? That's it, you know. So, and I'm always happy if anybody asks me to play. But the trouble is now there's so a lot of young people that don't know how to listen yet. You know, but it's only about listening. Only that, right? If you can listen and 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 whatever it is, you know, you just got to be able to listen to it. You don't have to understand what music is. You've got to be able to, you know. Robert, here's the one, right? And a person like, you know, he's the Miles Davis of Canterbury. And he it, it wouldn't tell you what to play. He'd just say, "Play, just play to this." That's in the studio with Nick Mason and him. Amazing. I you know, I'd gone round to see Robert already and yeah, Robert. Masterful band leader, the best, right, Robert. Easily the best. And because you were there because you you were there. He'd asked you to be there. he just play. He didn't give you a line of notes and a bit of written paper and all the rest of the shit, right? He just said, Be, do, play, you know. And Nick was the same way. He'd come out and say, you know, well, how are we going to do this? And say, so, and I'd say, look, I'm listening to it already. I have listened to this on the, on the cans. Yeah. This, is, this is what I'm doing. He said, oh, right, you know. And I think at one time we put a mic in for my cans. And so, <laughs> I said, no, 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 we're going to, you know, just, just play, you know, and it's great, really good. The only problem is they didn't, that's the rock bottom album, isn't it? I mean, the one that's good. I mean, Roberts made so, all his albums are good, right? and could good, create, say, oh, yeah. Bottoms the number one, thing. I mean, his whole deal is in there, though, isn't it? You know, his breathing and things. I mean, that was all thought up when he was on his back, you know. Right. In, in Manifel Hospital and, you know, stuff like that, you know. No, not. as I mean, the most, I, you know, the, the, the um, you know, Little Red Riding who brought some, I mean, it's great. There's a bit of music. That goes forwards and then halfway through, halfway through it goes backwards. You know, and it's like I'm the only one going through it. You know, because it's all done at different times. You know, yeah. Laurie Allen on drums and all that. You know, one goes you and all that the horn section and going backwards and there you are going. You know, go go go, <laughs> giving it one, just really enjoying. You know, I mean, Robert, do just play, do it. You know, go ahead. I had a great time, and that really really good fun I was, I was a bit sad that they didn't mix the bass part up a bit louder you know it's like <laughs> so, you know yeah, good I mean you talk what was the question the thing about talking about Robert Graves and then Hatfield in the North and all these things, and then camel and how Halle... I enjoyed it all and and when i when i didn't when I didn't enjoy i'd left, um, but I always kept in touch, I reformed what became Hatfield in the North after a concert in Govea. And luckily I did because Phil and Pitt weren't going to play again, you know. Yeah. Together. And we were asked to go to, Fazano, where I live now, that's why I live here, um, I was asked to go to Fasano Jazz by, by um, um, Domenico De Mola, who ran Fasano Jazz then. And... He said, Richard, you've just done a concert in Gouveia, and I was actually there, and he said, look, I'd really like you to bring bring your band, which are called RSVP. I mean, it had Theo Travis in it. It had Alex Maguire, who was the keyboard player with Bash. That's Pip's uh, keyboard player. Phil Miller, myself, and Andy Ward on drums, and he hadn't played for two years, right, because he'd had a, a bit of a problem mentally about being on stage and doing that. And I knew that, it, that he was all his favourite musicians, you know. I said, come on, Andy, just come down and be you, you know, because he was the most ent- entertaining drummer I'd ever played with. He was great. 24 hours a day, entertaining, entertaining, really good. But the trouble is, you know, he, he managed to swallow a load of alcohol, <laughs> you know, journey up the mountain, and it just blew it, you know, especially when they took over the bar in the... In the, in, the, in the hotel we were staying and then we had to do a concert anyway i got nice, re- nice recordings of that and all that stuff but anyway i had this phone call from domenico Domenico. he said i'd really like you to come and i want you to do a concert and Fazano jazz and i said yes and he said can you call pip up and, and so i did and pip said oh yes i'd like to come play again And so then of course when we got there and he said oh by the way richard um, it, it has to be called Hatfield and all, <laughs> and so he reformed it right from my lovely band that had all these amazing musicians in the nineties in it, you know, I mean, I, I had all the great, um, Canterbury, you know, I, I formed all these bands from 1990, mm. you know, oh uh, yeah, always forming bands, me or re reforming them and getting it done, you know, on TV or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's a lovely cut. I've got it. I'm, I'm going. I'm just about to go and collect it because it's going up on Bandcamp. You know. I mean, if on this interview, if it gets broadcasted and things like that, please get everybody to join my Richard Sinclair Songs Club because when there's a thousand people join it, I've got fifty grand and I can fly to you tomorrow morning. Okay, and, and come and play in your garden. That's what I want to do. You know, and play with all the people that want to play and you know. <laughs> and and people know, can find so this so
0: on Bandcamp,
1: yes. It's on Bandcamp, uh, Richard Sinclair's Bandcamp site. I'm putting up everything I've ever recorded or been on, every album, everything, all these things. It's all up on free, it's all for free anyway on YouTube, right? Everything. And I've never had a problem with that because, you know. If people can't hear it, and then they've got to spend loads of money with a record company that doesn't pay you any royalties. So now it's my time to get some money for what I've done. And, yeah, for sure, of that stuff is going to be taken down, you know, like bits and pieces that I'm on in the new Caravan box set or Esoteric Records, Mr. Mark Powell, who brought out all those things and did things for, you know, where's my royalties from these guys, right? Why don't they ever phone me up and say, hello, Richard? Um, you're on this album and da da d and you know I mean that you know what, what what is that you know and and so yes you'll find it all on my Bandcamp site and if you join my uh, Richard Sinclair Songs Club right like now you know there you go Greg stick stick fifty dollars on my thing. And then I'll come and play for you for free or whatever you want, you know, or you can join my band. Great. I can pay you money to come and join me, right? know, that's what I'm going to do. Because I'll have money then from the music, from the music I've made from 1963. You know, like tapes that I was given by Hugh Hopper with, with, with um, Robert on the piano, playing with one hand and the other hand, he's playing a, a cymbal. And he's, and he, you can hear him saying. Um, in the background there's Mrs. Hopper washing up, and the budgie, and uh, there's Robert singing. No, we don't, we we don't sing songs. We don't sing songs. <laughs> like, this is 1964 tape, right? And I've got all these other bits and pieces of Hatfield and and and, and Pip washing up, and you know, he's amazing when he's washing up and singing. And I'm like, and all this stuff that people never get to hear, you know. I mean, the rehearsals, the arguments, the um, the 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 TV shows, the uh, and also my and you know, I've always had a tape recorder on my bass amp where you where the mix is perfect. Okay, it's always perfect, especially if you're using um, headphones that have got the microphones on the outside of your ears as you're playing, right? That's what you can. I always have a really good position, you know. I can hear everything, like bass players should and singers, you know, that's it. And so I've got a lot of things like that. and Many, many DVDs, mini-discs, data. Oh, God, it's endless here. And I just have to have someone to be able to master it all and send it to my mate in Seattle because I can't do it, put things up, you know. So he's putting things up on Bandcamp for me when I should be doing it, and so... We've gone through the ritual of all that, and i will be doing interviews like I'm doing with you now, okay? And I just stick them up on Bandcamp if people want to know and hear about me or hear music and stuff. Which is why, it's why I've got actually a guitar on at the moment. You know, when I'm talking about music, I like to play it as well. You know, or sing it, or you know, not you just play talk You
0: it for us now, if you like, yeah, yes. <laughs>
1: I like starting from. This is how I write my tunes. So okay, I always get a chord. Like, and the actual melody is in the chord, isn't it? So, so you'd have a row at the beginning of it. So a bit of a row, row, row going on. Okay, get some sort of rhythm.
2: All I need is the old do pop on do pop to the old Do 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 up to the do the do the do do tu do 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 do
1: My dog come up. dog usually happens when I'm singing and it's food time, you
2: know. Got a low, got a low battery, guys, you know. And so, you know,
1: I mean, play to whatever rhythm you like, you know. Sounds (coughs) great, Richard.
0: <laughs> Sounds lovely, as always.
1: Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know
0: it, it just, I mean,
1: I'm still, I'm still writing new stuff. You know, I, just, I, I, you know, I'm like, trying to find lyrics and trying, you know, and always welcome to be. Invited to go and play with someone, you know. It's that, 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 you know, and I, I'm I'm doing the, my my. I'm hoping to go to places like Brazil, you know, and things like that, you know, with
2: like. <laughs> you know.
1: Lots of different things, lots of rhythms, lots of bits and songs and yes, please, you know. <laughs>
0: Beautiful. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> so you're you're I'm I'm so curious. You're living one of my dreams living in Italy.
1: Yeah. Come here. Welcome to come here anytime, you know. I mean I just said that to um Is it Frank, you know, the guy that's been trying to help us do all this sort of stuff. It, just come, you know. Yeah, just come down of it. And my place is total chaos. I mean, it's a very beautiful place. Maybe I can't walk around with it at the moment because it's like, but I live in the place, it's a truly, you know, um, it's got cones on it. It's a stone building about 300 years old. Uh, my water comes from the sky, you know, it's like, so I've got free water. Um, I moved here for very special reasons because, like you know, I can show you, you know, this. But mm. I can show you. I'm in total because my dogs are waiting to eat. There they go. You know, cat sitting oh. here that's lost one eye just recently. Bus, 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 there we go. Look, it's got a red eye, and that's the one that isn't working. The mm. one on the one you can't see. And it's like family. I got five dogs, wow. one cat, one one chicken. I used to. I used to have at the start of COVID. I had. Um, Oh, what was it? Oh, uh, wow, a lot of dogs. Twenty-seven dogs. No, I mainly puppies. Yeah, and then when COVID came, because we couldn't move any of them, yeah, because I didn't want to keep cutting them open, and so they couldn't have babies. I've got a big enough bit of land that they could have all been on, but it's like I, I had didn't have much money then. You know, it's like you know, I was I was blessed to be able to find this place. I found it because of Domenico Demola, the guy that I was telling you about. You know. That, um, and when when Caravan went to um Italy for the first time, it was after the TV show that we'd been asked to do in 1990 for Central TV, the Bedrock series. In fact, uh, Pip and I did it twice. I did it with Hatfield in the North and I did it with Caravan. And... Pip did it with Gong, you know, and Hatfield so I think Camel did it as well. I should have I would but I wasn't in the band then. I'd asked I wasn't asked to be in the band you know, after I'd done a few years. But yeah. You know. I mean, I've got a long, long story. It's gonna go up on um I'm gonna do these sort of interviews with the guy that's putting up my Robert Kohlberg in um in Seattle. He's he said, Look, he's a he's a wonderful person. He's got the most amazing library of music and He's only too happy to put all my stuff up. In fact, <clears throat> you know, that's the only reason why it's happening. You know, it's a really, become a very close friend. And um, so when I come round in in 2024, I'm just contacting everybody. I mean, if you could help me that, anyway, great. I'll certainly be in New York and uh, all the places, you know, that I went to in 92 and 93 and just come round and just play, you know. If people want to set it up, you know, good. I, I'm trying to set it up with all the people I set. I, I, I did it in 92, 93, you know, went round. Because it, it links everybody together. Because as you go round, you don't realise that some of these people can be friends with each other because they want the same thing, you know, and they listen to the same music. And, you know, that that's what I think is good about the Canterbury scene. You know, it's the same thing. It's, you know, you pick on a certain type. I think... The music that does come out of Canterbury is, yes, very different. It's very uniquely Canterbury, uh, even though they don't come from Canterbury. You know, I mean, what links us together is the love of each other and wanting to play with each other. That's particularly the Canterbury scene, okay? Yeah, you fall out of, you know, you find different roots and things like I did. When I left Caravan, when I left Hatfield in the north, but I'm still able to go back there and and repair those bridges that I broke. Okay. And I'd
0: love to have you, you know, take the bridge over here to the New York area and, and do some. I'm going to, yeah, that. don't worry.
1: I'm going to take a plane. <laughs> <that's, Yeah. laughs> no, I'm going to do it. No, it's happening already. It's happening just because of you now, right? There's many people I contact.
0: Well, Richard Sinclair. I, what a pleasure and an honor to speak to you because. Yeah, we... sorry about <laughs> me. Yeah,
1: sorry about me. No, but it's a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank we, you, Greg. We had
0: um, our issues yeah. trying to get this to work, but it works. Oh, my God. We should Frank's put that up on, we should put it up
1: on the radio thing, you know, especially me this end going, How do you use this bleeding machine? I don't to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most amazing recording job that I've ever had to do, actually. Just, to you know, I mean, I'm useless at all this yeah i mean i've got an iphone i have no idea even how to use that properly you know it's like
0: but we did it and and we've got you you did
1: it you did it and frank did it yeah thank you
0: and we thank frank (laughs) and we thank everyone for listening to this uh this has been the broadcast i'm greg bendian and my special guest today has been richard sinclair one of my favorite musicians on the planet and i hope yeah thank
1: you greg Thank you. Well, we're going
0: to hear him doing some great stuff in the coming months and years. And uh, everybody, please keep supporting what we're doing here. Support what Richard is doing and, and all the great creative music that's out there. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you, Richard.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Greg. G- give us another shout. I really want to have a chat to you about oh, many good. things, you know, You're not record. When you get time, that is, of course, you know. Anytime. And, and, and thanks for your time today. But very nice to be talking to you yeah
0: my pleasure